On this episode, I speak with Chris McKnight about her rare brain disease, how it affected her, and also how it affected her children and grandchildren. She is someone who has had perfect attendance her whole life, and I give her a hard time about that. Enjoy the podcast. What doesn't kill you makes you Hey, Chris. Well, good day to you, Dennis. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How's everything in your land? Good. Everything's great. You ready to talk? I can talk. All right. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Hatboro, Pennsylvania, right the Montgomery Bucks County border outside of Philly. Okay. And how many siblings did you have? And an older brother, have an older brother, Tim. Six years older. Just you and your brother? Correct. Okay. What was your childhood like? Uh, Sort of leave it to beaver (laughs) like. Uh, Maybe uh, one of those type shows. I didn't know any differently. I'm not saying my mother wore, you know, a beautiful dress and pearls every day, but um, my dad went to work. My mom got a part-time job when I went to elementary school. At a little junior high in the neighborhood cafeteria. Um, my brother was six years older than, is six years older than I. So I was sort of like an only child because when I was born, he went to school. When I went to elementary school, he went to high school. When I went to high school, he was drafted and went to Korea. So it was really like being an only child. And my mom and dad had had a baby girl a year or two before me who died at birth. Oh, it was a difficult pregnancy, um, died at birth. Um, and I think someone at my dad's work said to him, I never saw a man so happy to have a baby girl. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that's, you know, what factored into it. So I was kind of the golden child. Thank you very much. (laughs) Were you spoiled as a child? Yes, but I didn't know it. Um, Here's my story. When uh, I also grew up with my mom's six year older than she sister, mm. Aunt Nance. Aunt Nance never married, was a, what you'd probably call today an executive secretary. And <clears throat> so she was in a lot of weddings. So my, my uh, dress ups were her bridal bridesmaids gowns. And I would pull them out every once in a while with my friends in the backyard and we play dress ups. And then we decide to go play tag or something and I'd leave and we'd go play tag. Never in a million years did it cross my mind again that I didn't put away those dress ups Mm. because my mother had already taken care of that. And I was probably 25 before some family story came up about playing and on Edward Road and, and dress ups. And my mother said, yeah, I always put them away for you. And I thought, 
I, I was 25 before I realized that. <laughs> she did. I, I never put them away. My, my bed was made every day. I never made a bed till I was 21. Wow. I, I was really spoiled. All right. And yes. here's my one other story. <laughs> my dad died 25 years before my mom at 65 years of age. My mom and aunt came to church every morning at nine o'clock. I taught in my parish school. So I would put my dirty laundry in the backseat of my car. They'd park next to me, take the dirty laundry out and replace it with clean laundry the next day. <laughs> the, the faculty members, first of all, wanted to kill me. And secondly, swore they were gonna put their wash in with my wash. And my it was almost like a, it's like a drug deal, but with laundry, oh, right? I, I often compared it to that, Dennis, often did. Yeah. But I didn't even have to be there, so I wouldn't be invited. <laughs> That's completely different from my childhood. Um, um, did you did you play sports? Were you active in school? I did not. Um, now, it, on the, in the neighborhood, we had a lot of kids. So we all came home, got off the bus, changed our, out of our uniforms, and went out and played tag or kicked the can or whatever. But I was just talking the other night to a former neighbor, and the boys always had, we lived six houses away from the little league field. So the boys even had like sports, you know, to, to go to and play. Whereas all I got was a dime to go get a snow cone down at the sports field. Girls, yeah, that's 60 years ago, you know, right. girls were right. not involved. So I, no sports. However, Archbishop Wood drill team for a few years. That, that would be my fond memory of Archbishop Wood. You didn't do any plays or singing? No, no, no. Not, no, no talent in that way. Listen, it turns out just being in the drill team was a talent because I had no idea how hard I was working to keep my balance. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Did you go to college after high school? I went to Penn State Ogons for a couple of years. Westchester, I got my bachelor's, and Temple, I have my master's in education. So you became a teacher? I did. Seventh and eighth grade for 31 years. Okay. When did you first start to experience uh, issues with your head? It's a lot of hindsight and um, maybe denial. When I was 11... I was walking down the steps of my concrete steps in my mother's porch to the bus stop. My feet went up in the air when I hit the last step and uh, on the black ice. And I hit the back of my head hard, right where the, like the rise and the run of the step meet. And my head bled a lot. Uh, I cried, I went in the house. My mom kind of took care of the best she could. And I insisted that I go to school that day because I had perfect attendance. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm bragging, third to 12th grade, perfect attendance. Again, Catholic guilt, It was, guilt, it was right? really the social aspect, not the educational aspect. Anyway. But, it, but it's also your Catholic guilt, true, right? Oh, no, I was afraid I'd miss something. I, you know, I, I think that's what it was. But anyway, and we had, you know, huge classes of, there's a lot of stuff you could miss if you didn't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Now we start the road to what turned out to be a diagnosis of Chiari malformation. 
Hans Chiari is a research doctor back in the probably late 1800s, early 1900s, who found this, what I have over the years called a hernia of, mm, well, it's really brain stuff of your brain down at your cerebellum, which is in the back base of your head, where the spinal cord goes into the brain. Right at that spot, there's obviously a little opening. And they don't think it's hereditary. They think it's congenital or accidental. Maybe you're in a bad accident and this happened to you. This could, this force, there was a great force. So there's brain stuff that sort of fell into the brain stem. So now you have brain stuff in your spinal cord. A lot of people have this Chiari malformation and don't even know it. And sometimes they find it in an MRI um, accidentally, like to get, they're having an MRI for something and they say, oh, by the way, you have a Chiari depression, but that doesn't seem to be the cause of your problem. They measure the amount of brain material that's in your spinal cord in millimeters. So if you only have one or two millimeters of this stuff in there, there's probably no symptoms. You don't even know it. Um, what happens is with growth and with gravity, for me anyway, um, there was more stuff getting in there, kind of like with a hernia. A hernia gets worse, you know, as, as it goes along until finally they have to take care of it. Well, that's what happened here. So um, at 20, after being, calling myself various words, klutz, um, spastic, um, like I would miss a step, you know, like I would thought my foot was at the right place, but it wasn't there. Like almost typical high school teenage things. Um, it wasn't that I, I was, I wasn't really falling down out of nowhere. There was a reason. I missed the step. So I fell and caught myself. So at 20, I went to my dad and said, you know what? I'm sort of having double vision in my one eye. So here we go. This is another symptom. Now up to now, and now at 70, 71 years of age, I will tell you, I have had no pain, zero, except for the surgeries. I have not had any pain, not so much as a headache. So I would be a completely different person if pain was involved in this, I know. So I go to him, I tell him that, he rushes me right off to the doctor, of course, eye doctor. Eye doctor said, I don't know what this is. I suggest you go to a neurologist. This is big time for somebody who had perfect attendance, can I tell you? <laughs> so um, we go to a neurologist and they put you in the hospital back then and give you a test a day. One day they do an EEG or one day do an EKG. And um, The last test they gave me was called a pneumoencephalogram, uh, a test where they strap your arms and legs and head to a chair and then they turn the chair upside down and sideways after they put a bubble of air in your spine so that they can watch the bubble of air travel up your spine. Uh, it is hellish. It was right at the uh, beginning of MRIs. 
but not everybody had, not all the hospitals, not all the places had MRIs. And uh, so this was a very, very invasive, terrible test. Um, and that's how they found it. They found when the bubble got to the cerebellum, that's where it burst or whatever it did. I don't know. Uh, getting back to when you were 11 years old and you fell down. Yes. Is that what caused this? That's the part that we're still talking about. I think yes, because I had, I would say, I can't think of any symptoms. Um, uh, I sort of had trouble running for any length of time after that fall. I would get like a sort of a pounding in my head. And I wouldn't call it a headache because I've had headaches, but, and I, as long as I rested, then the pounding would go away. But I'll tell you, Dennis, at 11 or 12, those are, my running days were over. I wasn't outside that much playing with the kids anymore. I was in sixth or seventh grade, um, was not involved in any sports. So if I didn't put myself in that position, or may, maybe it's the chicken or the egg, maybe I didn't do a lot of running because I got this sort of pounding. I don't know. Now, um, when you were in the drill, did that affect your balance in any way? Yes, I, I think it did. I think it did, but again, it wasn't that bad because I don't think that there was that much um, hernia material there yet. Uh, when this material is in your spine and touching on the nerve endings, the nerves, they harm the nerves and your spinal cord nerves are not, can't come back. Like you can't rest and fix them. And it's kind of like a, well, very but like a paraplegic. That's right. why you're paralyzed. If those right. nerves are damaged, you're done. When they did this test for you when you were 20 and they put an air bubble in, what did they put the bubble in the base of your spine? Yes, it's a, I would call a spinal tap-ish thing. I, I learned a lesson there. If the doctor has to do the test, the neurosurgeon has to do the test and not the technician, you're in big trouble <laughs> because it's, it's serious big time. Could you describe the pain that you went through during that procedure? Can you remember it? I, I don't remember. Uh, no, I can't. It's too okay. old. It's, it's a lot of, I would almost want to say discomfort. Okay. Um, and so strange that, and, and again, innocent and 20 is what I was. So they, they come up with this diagnosis. What is the prognosis? Um, the prognosis is we're going to go in there and we're going to put all that brain matter, push it back up, put a little piece of plastic in there called duraplasty. And that's it. You won't get any better because the nerve endings that are causing this problem are already damaged, but you shouldn't get any worse. And you might get a little bit better just by removing the, the pressure. I had a, I'm going to say 13 or 14 millimeter compression of material in my spinal cord. So that's how much they had to stick back up in my, in my head. Um, so I did get a, a little bit better. I remember the neurologist who also told me he had, this is so rare at the time anyway, that he was a middle-aged man that he had only done one other Chiari in his, in his uh, profession, 
which I don't know if that was a good idea. Oh, I know. I said to him, I hope you read up about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was I was high as a kite. They had given me all the shots before I was going in for the surgery. And he said, yeah, I've only done this once before. And I said, well, I sure hope you read up. Anyway, thought I was being funny. Where did um, you get the procedure done? So I had the procedure done uh, at 20 years of age. Um, and um, was a little bit better. You know, like I was unable like to stand on my on one foot. That would be a concrete example of how. Uh, uh, but how many times do you stand on one foot? Mm-hmm. It's not that it was a so it wasn't an everyday um, problem per se. I was just klutzy and and they fixed what they could fix and I was OK, except then as time went on, I started to get worse. Did you get the procedure done at a Philadelphia hospital or a local? Holy Redeemer. Holy Redeemer Hospital in Meadowbrook. Okay. uh, Montgomery County. And Um, then, so then after your surgery, you graduated college, you started to teach? Correct. And that didn't affect your teaching at all, right? It did not, except I many times bumped into desks and things like that. You know, I I was klutzy. Right. Um, But in the end, end at 58 years of age, um, that's what made me retire. Uh, I fell in the classroom. My students were not there. They were at gym class, broke my leg. And, but I had fallen or almost fallen a few times. And when, uh, over the years, and when you do that, the first thing you do is reach out to grab the closest thing. Well, as long as the closest thing was one of my five foot eight boys, you know, who played football in eighth grade, I was okay, but I had some tiny little girls, you know, and I was afraid I'd hurt one of them. And so that's when I decided to retire. But there's a whole other story in between there, between the 20 year old going off and teaching and the 58 year old retiring a little early. Um, So I start getting a little bit better, it seems. Not a whole lot and I'm not fixed, but I'm not, I'm a little bit better. And then I start to go downhill and I start to get either as bad klutzy or worse. Uh, I fall a few times. So I go to uh, a neurosurgeon at Penn this time. I'm now, how old am I now? 2000, so I'm 50. Yeah, I'm 50 now. And, um, And say, the Chiari thing must have like, busted or something because I'm back where I started. They do a bunch of tests. This time it's an MRI, which was one of the reasons I went because I knew they could do it without that invasive. They didn't have to get in your head to see what's in your head. Uh, They did an MRI and they said, you have an acoustic neuroma on your balance nerve. Uh, It's sort of behind your ear and that nerve, the acoustic neuroma, the balance nerve, your facial nerve and your hearing nerve are very, very close to each other. So we can operate, take out the benign tumor. They don't like to use that word tumor, bump. I don't know what they called it. They take out the nerve, but there's a chance that your facial nerve and your hearing nerve will also be involved a little bit again probably maybe not so much now, but that was, this was 20 some years ago uh, with the kind of microscopic stuff they have these days. 
So you have to sign off before you have the surgery at 48 or 50, whatever I was. And I, I knew that I might lose my hearing. I knew that my face, left side of my face might be paralyzed. Um, and uh, so that's what they did. This, is a, this one's a very complicated surgery, according to the neurologists. Um, I needed an ear, nose, and throat guy and a, neuro, a neurosurgeon to get to do this surgery. And sure enough, my left side of my face, I think from swelling, was paralyzed. And I lost most of my hearing in my left ear. Uh, let, me, let me go back sure. to... When, when you're 20 years old, and I know I'm going back a ways here, sure. but when you're 20 years old, you get this procedure, you're teaching. When, you're, when you receive that diagnosis, what was your reaction? Were you depressed? What, what, could you explain what that was? Um, I was, I would say I was more depressed, um, waiting to find out what was the matter. When I told my dad at Christmas time that I was having this double vision thing, which turned out to be something called nystagmus, which is really jumpy eyes. When I like look to the left or look to the eye, the right, <clears throat> excuse me, you can see my eyes actually wiggle. Mm. So um, he took me to the doctor right away. I go to the neurologist and the neurologist does all these in office tests. Touch your nose with your finger, stand on one foot, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he said, well, certainly something's wrong. We're going to have to do tests. Do you have a time, a break from school? Because he knew I was like, a junior in college. And I said, yes, uh, Easter, Easter, you know, spring break in March. And he said, okay, let's, let's put it in there. It's obviously not an emergency. So let's do it in March. That was one of the mistakes I would say I made in my life, putting it off for that long. I should have just pushed myself added another semester at the end of my senior year, you know, and gone right then and there because I was a mess. The, the theory the, the, that was that it could be either multiple sclerosis or myasthenia gravis. Uh, they didn't know. Um, and again, it took 10 days of hospital testing, which is unheard of today. Like all those tests I had, except for maybe the last one, um, they would have done outpatient, you know, they, they put me in the hospital for those 10 days. So from January through March, a couple months of not knowing what it was. And one day I wanted it to be myasthenia gravis. And one day I wanted it to be a tumor. And one day, like I was a mess. So once I got in there, they found out what it was. I was, I guess, young and foolish and said, okay, fix it. And they told me how they were going to do it, what they were going to do. And I said, okay. In the meantime, my father was driving through red lights because he was so <laughs> out of his mind worried. Yeah. So no, 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 no depression. Okay. So nothing that I ever mentioned except to my boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> How old were you when you got married? Oh, 21. Two oh. weeks out of college. Two weeks. Okay. And how many children do you have? I have two. They're a whole other podcast, Dennis, because they too. I know. Surgery, and so have my daughters. I know. That's and crazy. 
it's not supposed to be hereditary. I keep volunteering to be a show and tell at one of these colleges because all these guys teach, you know, but nobody nobody will pay me any money to come in and let me show them my scars. Did when you were pregnant with your children, did that affect you in any way? No, zero. Okay. Um, Talk to me. When did your children start to uh, have the same symptoms as you? Okay. So uh, I'm going to do it in chronological order. When the Molly was five years old and having her kin. She's my grandchild. Molly and Mia are my grandchildren. Molly was five years old, having her kindergarten physical. Uh, she leaned over because the PA was searching for scoliosis. And the PA said, oh, my goodness, she has scoliosis, which usually doesn't occur until you're about well, 12 or 13, like the age of kids that I taught because of hormones and a lot of stuff. It's very unusual that it starts earlier than that. And as soon as the PA said that, my daughter, the, Molly's mother, said, I bet you it's Chiari. And she was right. They did the MRI and the Chiari was like 12 millimeters, 16 millimeters. They did surgery at CHOP. She's done. Corey, my daughter says, I'm gonna have Mia the twin sister of Molly checked also, but not because she had scoliosis, because she did not. And um, so with the family history, the insurance company said, okay. And sure enough, she had even more of a, uh, more material down there. Hers were like 18 millimeters. She also had the surgery. So now we're five and six and they have surgery. Five years ago, Corinne, their mother, is 37 she falls off a ladder outside breaks her ankle and must have hit her head although we really that wasn't the main thing we were worried about at first but started to get terrible headaches and she once again said i bet you this is chiari she got it and she also had uh, the surgery i have a 42 year old daughter in maine who last year uh, realized that a lifetime of laughing so hard that you're falling off the chair. Like when you're in college and you're with your dorm people and you're playing games or long story short, she realized that that was so, uh, people were grabbing their guts and saying, stop laughing, I can't breathe. And um, she would get this screaming, headache, 10 times worse than she described it as an ice cream headache. Um, She looked it up online because it had gotten so bad after all this, because again, she's 42 years old. She doesn't laugh that often, that hard. And found out that it is a Chiari symptom. She went to the doctor and she had a 20 millimeter or something or other Chiari. Is it, I would imagine based when you were 20 years old and they tried to diagnose what you had and now with your grandchildren and your daughters that it's much easier to diagnose, right? Yes, and and more people have heard of it. It was unheard of for 35 years. Nobody ever heard of this thing. And now I know other people that actually, I guess maybe it's like when you buy a car and you see the same car 
out on the street sometimes, but yes, uh, it's much easier to diagnose and it seems more common or maybe it's just in my family. I don't know. What is there a way to reverse the damage now? No, and they haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, um, I am getting progressively worse. In fact, I was just back to the neurologist to say, I seem to be getting worse. And, um, because after the, the 50-year-old acoustic neuroma, which removed the balance nerve, I compare that to sitting on a seesaw. And you're on one side of the seesaw and nobody's on the other side but you're trying to keep it up in the air. You know, you're trying to keep it balanced up in the air. Um, I have a right balance nerve, but I don't have a left balance nerve. So that has, in my mind anyway, made all this worse. Is there any medication that they gave you? There's no medication, no. They, is, at, go ahead. Is there physical therapy that you have that's to do? That's what they're, that's, and the physical therapy is not a fix. It's to make you stronger, either to help prevent you from falling or, yeah, to prevent you from falling is what it really is. So it's not a fix. I just went to the neurologist after the acoustic neuroma surgery, 10 years after that, when I was 60, I went back and said to the doctor, there's, I don't know how to explain it. There's a feeling, there's something wrong in there. And I had developed a brain cyst probably a result of the surgeries that I had had in the past because cysts tend to grow where there's damage. And um, so they had to operate a third time. So now I have a brain cyst removed. That was, I don't want to say easy peasy, but comparatively speaking, the problem is I'm now 60, not 20. That makes a big difference, you know? Right. Um, so since then, I seem to get worse. I went from having no medical need equipment needed to using a cane occasionally to using a cane and a walker occasionally to use getting rid of the little silver canes that you see the old ladies using to one that has brakes and a seat. And, you know, um, I, I'm to that point now. And sometimes, as you might know, I'm in a wheelchair when I sometimes when I do social things so that nobody has to wait on me. Nobody has mm -hmm. to help me. Nobody, you know, I, I use a wheelchair, but I stay tuned for the remainder of the interview. How many surgeries have you had? Pardon? How many surgeries have you had? Three. Okay. And and there are scars you say on your on your head? Oh yeah. Well, two of them they went in the same. They call it a zipper right up the back mm -hmm. of your head. And the, but the acoustic neuroma. That's why I needed the two guys. I needed the neurosurgeon guy to get get the ear, nose, and throat guy in. So he did the cutting and weaving and 
And then the ear, nose, and throat guide did the actual removal of the nerve, balance nerve. And then the neurosurgeon guy sewed me up. How long was that procedure? <laughs> I don't want to be wise, but I don't know because I was asleep. But right, right. I'm going to say six hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, do you need a hearing aid on your one? I, I don't. No, because I do not. I do not use one. Maybe they've come farther with them than, but the problem is when I, there is background noise, that is when I have my most problem hearing. For instance, at the wedding that we were just at, um, that's one of the things besides dancing, being able to dance, that's one of the things I miss because when the music's playing, I have trouble hearing an individual talking to me. It's, it's always, excuse me, pardon me, what did you say? You know, that kind of thing. But they've told me that I have what's like base hearing. If I stick a old fashioned telephone receiver to my ear and they talk into it, I can sort of hear them like down a hole. So there is some hearing, but it's just not, it's very difficult. So hearing aids usually amplify things. Uh, I don't so much need it amplified because my right ear is, does a good job, um, but it's the background noise. Like I go into a restaurant and the restaurant's almost empty and I'm doing swell. Well, as the lunch crowd comes in and fills in, now I can't hear the people at the table. Mm -hmm. So it's annoying. Yeah. When you were 20, you said you weren't depressed when all this happened, but then you go into the future and you find out about your grandchildren, you find about, out about your daughters having the same disease as you. What's your reaction then? Damn, we're bad. We have bad luck. <laughs> I, that's really, I, I will say, I, I don't ever think I ever thought, why is this happening to me when it was just me personally? Um, I don't even think, I, I have to say, I don't even think I thought that with them because well, I kind of guess I kind of knew why it was happening to them. Um, I don't feel guilty uh, any more than I'd want my mom and dad if somehow it was passed on to me, even though they say it's not, you know, like I wouldn't want them to feel guilty. Um, so mm, I, I, we're, we're, we can deal with it. I, I have pretty good faith. Um, I don't want that saying God only gives you what you can handle because I'm tired of that. I want to talk to God about plan B because plan A is, uh, is a lot. And I will say at getting older, it's much more difficult because I am more dependent on other people. Uh, certainly that's why I think Donna is, is in my life uh, because she takes care of me, <laughs> like whatever. She'll take care of everybody, but I happen to be more needy than most people. Um, I have wonderful friends. Um, I have, um, I'm like a dog with a bone. If I meet you and I get to know you, um, like saying, hey, let's go out to breakfast and I don't let go. So depression really hasn't been, and the woe is me thing hasn't been a part of my life. Um, it's difficult to watch your children and grandchildren, um, um, but they'll be okay. I, I, I'm, I'm good. 
and no, you, no pain. Remember, no pain. No yeah, pain. With it. yeah. Do you agree with the phrase "everything happens for a reason"? Uh, now I'm going to say something happens. Some things happen for a reason, and the other side of that is sometimes you get to know the reason. Like ten years later, for instance, my husband left me. And looking back, God, he did me a favor. Thank the Lord. It is so much easier because he's a high maintenance guy and I'm a low maintenance girl. Um, so, but I would not know that at the time, you know. Um, and sometimes I do believe that you'll never find the reason until the next life. Do you think that happened because of your illness or just from other reasons? Hmm. You mean that attitude that I have? No, that your husband. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, no, no. no. He was a jerk. No, because I, I, that was when I was, well, what would I be, 40? Yeah, 40 something, 45. Yeah, he was around till about 45, but yeah. No, I don't think so. He was, he left and six months later, I had the acoustic neuroma surgery because I went to the doctor because I realized it was just me and the girls then. Uh, one was 18 and one was 20. And I better like take care of myself for a little bit longer. Um, so six months after he left, I had the acoustic neuroma surgery. So I wasn't really, really bad uh, until after he left. And time went by and gravity work did its job. And I had a, a left balance nerve that wasn't there. You talk a lot about your father. Do you get your strength from your father? No, I don't think so. And I realized that as I was saying to you, it's just that at that point in my life, um, decisions were made by fathers. Like it was, for lack of better words, it was his insurance that paid for, you know, it was he that made the, he, my mom didn't even drive. So he took me to the doctors. Um, yeah, um, it just that that was part of his job. I I think he saw it that way, and I think I saw it that way. Um, you know, father knows best. That's the other TV show. You know, you seem like a very independent person, and based on what happened to you, losing your dependency must have been extremely frustrating. And and it that is frustrating, and still is. Um, um, Having to depend on people uh, is difficult, um, but I have surrounded myself, thank God, with people that I love and they love me and um, insist that they, they don't mind, you know, helping me in and out the door and up the steps. And um, so I'm going to go with, I am grateful and um, I believe them. I, but I'm going. I'm going to say. I'm going to say if if it were if if the roles were reversed, if I was in physical good physical shape and they had needed me for this, I would do that for them and I wouldn't mind. So I'm convinced myself that okay, I'll do it. But it is hard. When did you stop driving? I never stopped driving. I drove here today. Oh, okay. Dennis. <laughs> Don't even put that. I, I, someday I'm going to have to.
but uh, I do not. Ha turns out that not having balance does not take away your license. I, I, you don't need balance. Like my my problem and balance is all the message to my legs to walk and to keep balance. You know, sort of. I guess you don't need it to go from my right foot to my left gas to my brake. I don't know that. I don't seem to have a problem with. And do you have a chairlift at your home? I do not. Four years ago, we moved out, my daughter and her two children, uh, granddaughter, my granddaughters, moved from one end of Doylestown to the other in a one-floor house. We moved from a townhouse to a kind of a rancher. Everything I need is on the first floor. Washer, dryer, kitchen, my bedroom, bathroom. Lots of hand-holding equipment, you know, in the tub, shower. And I'm forbidden to go upstairs and I'm forbidden to go downstairs. There actually is an upstairs. They kind of, you know, what do you call that? When they kicked out the roof and mm -hmm. put a couple bedrooms up there, that's where the girls sleep. No, I'm not allowed up there, which works to my benefit lots and lots of times. And there's no reason for me to go down the basement because it's an unfinished basement. So that has a uh, gym. Red K built me a ramp, uh, uh, a small ramp from my uh, laundromat into the garage. And that's how I go in and out of the house all the time. There's only one step at the front door, but I don't bother using it because Jim built me a little ramp. So I have a, a, a walker in my car uh, for when I go to the store or something. I have a walker in my driveway for when I pull up with my car. Then I walk to the ramp through the garage up the ramp into my house. I have a walker at that door in the laundromat right there. Um, I have an electric uh, wheelchair. I have a regular wheelchair and I, I have all the equipment. Does the nerve damage affect your hands? Has it Give, has it affected your your size? Like, have, has, have you shrunk? Yeah, I have shrunk, but not because of this. Okay. Old age. Right. Uh, one of the things that uh, I had osteopenia for a while, and they give me a shot of, you see it on TV, Prolia, uh, that helps with that. So I will tell you that I think Prolia has helped me many, many, five I've had at least five falls over the last 10 or 15 years that I've been having this semi-annual shot of Prolia um, that I can't believe I didn't break something like a hip or a knee or something. I think it's the Prolia, but so, I don't know that. So the only time you really fell and broke anything was when you were a teacher and broke your leg? No, I've fallen a lot, but the only time... <laughs> I fall no, I've fallen a lot. And once or twice I wound up sort of in the emergency room because I hit my head. Oh. Now I've learned how to fall because again, 50 years of practice, if there's any chance at all that I have control of this fall, I'm gonna save my head. Cause my arm that I broke when I felt that healed. And um it's really the head part that you, you gotta be careful of. So I do fall. I almost fall a lot. Um, I have a, what I would call a controlled fall every once in a while. Like I've learned how to fall onto a sofa or, you know, something that will 
save the final. And then I, every once in a while, every decade or so, I have an emergency room full. I always try to see the humor in everything. Do you see humor in your condition? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's the laugh or cry thing. Um, I'll say, yeah, I'm pretty sarcastic. So like, I can make a joke out of a lot of cracky stuff, you know? Um, uh, yeah, here, here's the other thing. When people are sick, and I don't count myself as sick, but if you're sick, if you need other people's help, whether you're sick or whether you have Chiari and all these problems, um, you need other people. So I don't want to be too bitchy about complaining, um, demanding, um, because then these people won't want to be around me. I wouldn't want to be around somebody who was always bitching and moaning and complaining and and I'm unfixable. It's not like anybody can, you know, fix me. So I say try to make it as pleasant for them as I can. And unfortunately, my daughters would tell you that that makes me not tell them enough when I fall. You know, and they'll say, "Hey, where'd you get that black and blue mark?" Truthfully, if it's just a black and blue mark, I don't even remember where I got it. Because I bump into things and you know, fall and really don't hurt myself, but a black and blue mark shows up the next day. Um, yeah. How do you feel when others are complaining about the most simplistic <laughs> thing? It makes me laugh. Sometimes, um, I, and, I, and listen, I give them sympathy because I'll tell you what, if they're complaining, it's, it's usually hurts. Usually or, you know, they broke something or they had a fever or they had COVID or, you know, okay. Uh, like, I'll give them sympathy. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just had a recent, uh, sometime I'll have to tell you, but somebody came with a, I was in my wheelchair. We were at a social engagement and somebody came up. He was a chronic complainer and uh, had a black, they call that like a wrap around her wrist. Like she didn't break, it wasn't a cast, it was like a wrap. And couldn't get out fast enough. Her, you know, oh my God, I fell and did this. And I'm sitting there in an electric wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Even I kind of saw the humor in that. But I was sympathetic again, because it was bothering her. So I, I don't, I'm not really complaining about that, about what, what everybody else I don't compare to me. Right. Do, do your children and grandchildren, do they, have they fallen and, and hurting themselves as well? Hurting them? I don't think hurting them is a word. It's not. Have they hurt it, themselves it's, it's, as well? I am the grammar queen. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you that there is not such a word. And I have my red pen out and I'm going to mark you down for that. And I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> Um, and now I'm going to make you diagram that <laughs> and I will correct it for you. Um, have they, I would say they are, as, as you heard, everybody's symptoms, even in my family are different. Like none of us got here the same way. 
scoliosis, one fell off a, a ladder, uh, one was this screaming headache, you know, like, so, um, but I would say maybe two or three of us are a little bit more klutzy still than others. Like I'll see, but I don't know, like the girls are, the twins are 13, they'll be running up the step and they'll miss a step. Mm. Now, is that because they were in too much of a hurry or is that because they had Kiari down? I don't, I, I don't know. I just say, hold on to the railing and you'll be safe, you know? Right. Railings are my friend. Do you receive, do you go to the doctors like once a year for your? Yeah. yeah. I'm the healthiest handicapped person <laughs> on your podcast, I'm sure. Yes. What, what do they do at your appointments? They check everything else. And um, my blood pressure is pretty low and my pulse is pretty low. And uh, I'm back to the, you know, perfect attendance queen here. Like I, I not good. I never had COVID. Um, um, yeah, they, they just do all the normal, what, what I would say was Medicare. Medicare gives them, tells them what they can do, right? Check. Um, your blood pressure, your eyes. They don't bother with my hearing anymore because I tell them don't bother with my hearing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I don't, I take, I take Prolia twice a year, baby aspirin, multi, multivitamin, like, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful, Dennis. I really am. Have you ever had an EMG? Is that of my? It's where they kind of shock you. No, okay. I don't think so. What would you be testing for? That would be like nerve damage in your arm. Oh, yes. No, I have not had that. In fact, when I was at the neurologist just lately, I, I, I said like, okay, so I seem to be getting worse. And she said, well, one thing is like, I don't know if she used the verb scrambled or messed up or what. She said, I don't know whether the message is coming out from your brain weak and then by the time it gets to your legs, which also, like, I don't walk as much as I used to. I taught for all those years, but now, like, I even use the scooter in the in the uh, supermarkets now. Um, so between the muscular or skeletal part of that, plus it coming out, not as, um, she said, it's, it's kind of a combination. And, you know, I did think about, I didn't think the EMG, but I did think, like I wonder where the message is coming from and if they could do sort of an electric thing mm -hmm. to see if it's coming out bad or it's just when it gets to the legs, it's bad. Yeah. Has your, have your legs atrophied since not walking that much? Um, no, they have not, but I have gotten shorter. Uh, but that's just, a, I think a calcium thing. And all my friends are same age as I am. Um, I've lost about an inch over the years. And what, what exercises do you do on a daily basis? Um, daily is kind of stretching it, but I do have a um, stationary bike in my bedroom that I absolutely abhor, but for 15 or 20 minutes, maybe every other day I use. Um, the physical therapist gives, gave me two groupings of, of things to do that are not very difficult at all because really what they are working on is 
balance. It's not strength. It's it's balance. Um, I have, I am pretty strong, but it turns out it, for a lot of things, it doesn't matter how strong you are. You need the balance to go with it mm-hmm. to be able to do whatever you want to do. So I, I'll say four times a week for 15 or 20 minutes in my bedroom. I do a couple of these things. Um, and I will say it, it doesn't fix me, but it helps not noticeably to anyone else, not noticeably to anyone else. So when I go to physical therapy and she says, here, do this. Um, well, the day I started, I could only do this twice. And by the time I left six weeks later, I could do it four times. So basically you don't have perfect attendance on your uh, stationary bike. Dennis, you'll pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave me a hard time about hurting. So I got to get back at you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that'll be the name of this podcast. It'll be hurting because I, I don't know where that came from, but okay. I, you know, I, I just want to say that um, the first time I met you, I remember I was sitting on Donna and Jim's deck. Yes. And that yes. was for Annie's shower. Yeah. And, and you couldn't have been more pleasant and uh, welcoming and being a blind person, you don't know what people's, what, what people's conditions are. You don't know what people look like. Um, well, I'm beautiful. I, I did. Absolutely. Mention. That was the first thing I thought. Yes. You could probably, and, the aura, the aura. Probably. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like real, like a warm glow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I understand that. Yeah. But but I but I just I knew right away that you were a really good person because you don't know what people look like, but you kind of get their their warmth and their heart and their soul. And I knew that you were a really good person, had no idea what you had been going through, would never have known it. Um, you've come across did in this you know interview. I had a walker? Could you, uh, did you hear me bag no. steps right now? No, I'm not. I have no idea. Quiet. That's the other problem. People hear me coming. OK. Yeah, I, I had no idea until I was told afterwards. And well, so, uh, ab- absolutely, at the wedding, uh, I, I one of the reasons why I had that wheelchair um, was that I wanted to get to you and your wife to tell you how wonderful your son is and how happy we are that he's in our life. He's a great guy. Thank you. I appreciate it. But listen, job. but if you knew him like I did, Chris, you wouldn't be crying. Listen. Listen, I know nobody. I'm like, I don't want to live with anybody. I'm okay with it. But on the outside, he looks pretty good. No, he's a good guy. And good that's guy. you tease him and pick on him, and he's, he's a good guy. No, he he's, was kind of born that way of getting ra- uh, razzed and teased and ripped into, and we yeah. always have to take him down a peg. We don't want to think that he's that great of a person. But yeah. I do appreciate that's, your... Sorry, that can be our secret then. <laughs> Well, listen, I appreciate you sharing your story with me and, and uh, hopefully others that listen to this can gain some strength and knowledge from your disease and right. how you've handled this with grace. And um, you're strong. You're a strong person. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take the word strong, but I, I, grace doesn't fit because I am, you know, I'm banging around and wrecking furniture and walls and, you know, but Yes, I, I would say I'm strong, um, and and faith and and growing up loved, like I, I didn't know any different. I thought that's I thought father knows best, and 
the Donna Reed show. And I'd say thought that's how everybody lived. Yeah. yeah. And um, wasn't until years later that, man, I found out all those kids I went to high school with, they had abuse and alcoholism and all kinds of stuff. But nobody talked about it those days. Right. You know, so. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to bring up? Um, thank you. Oh, you got pages there? You got, you got notes? No, I wrote down two or three words because I don't use these words very, very often. Uh, and I didn't want to be doing the, uh, 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 wait a minute. I can't think of that word, that word thing. No. Uh, so I just wrote down a couple. No, I think we're good. Um, yeah. C-H-I-A-R-I. That's how you spell it. Okay. Well, then people can look that up. And I was just going to say, everybody Google. Yeah. If they have any, any problems like you have described then definitely take a look at that. Yeah. And be. it's it's in the on the rare list of diseases, not not extremely rare, but um, and well, I think I do think they're finding it more because of being able to look in there. Listen, I, we got to go, right? Yeah, we got to go. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate Listen, it. I appreciate it, and I'm going to uh, try to get Donna to do her magic, and we'll get into some of the uh, prior uh, recordings that you've done. Sounds good. All right, you take care. Um, We'll get together soon. I don't know. Let's see what Annie and Brian can put together. <laughs> All right. Definitely. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.